Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolzma. I'm so glad that you decided to join us for today's episode because, as usual, we have a fantastic guest with us. The amazing and funny and witty Karen Wittemeyer is going to be here with us talking about her latest release, In Honor's Defense. It's the third book in the Hangers Horseman series, but it is standalone. So you can read it without having read the other two books. But if you've read the other two books, you'll see cameos by some of the other characters. So either way, you're going to love In Honor's Defense. Before we get to Karen, though, we have a few housekeeping measures that we need to take care of. Be sure to subscribe to Christian Historical Fiction Talk so that you know when new episodes release. You don't want to miss out on anything. I'd hate for you to be left behind because you weren't subscribed and to miss out on a great interview. So make sure that whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, that you are subscribed there. Second of all, please follow us on Christian Historical Fiction Talk. We talk about Christian and historical fiction over there, strangely enough, and I also let you know over there when new episodes are releasing, and I sometimes ask questions, and I have polls, and we do all kinds of fun things over there, so please join me over there. You can just look up Christian Historical Fiction Talk on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I think that's about it. We kind of sailed through that, which is great because that just means that much more time for today's great guest. So please join me in welcoming Karen Wittemeyer to the show today. Welcome to the show, Karen. It is so good to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I was telling you off air that I have been following your career pretty much since the beginning. I read your very first book, was so excited by it, fell in love with your writing, and have just kept reading whatever you've written. So it's really my honor and privilege to have you on the show here. I've been wanting to do this for a while, so I'm glad we were able to make it work out. Well, that just makes my day. There's nothing better than connecting with a reader who has been loyal from the beginning. So thank you for keeping up with me. And I'm so excited that we get to interact today. Yeah, me too. So before we really get into the heart of your latest book, In Honor's Defense, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm Karen Wittemeyer, and I write historical fiction for the Christian market, and I love cowboys and westerns, and so you'll find a lot of that in my stories. I fell in love with historical stories from the time I was little, reading Little House on the Prairie and Anne of Green Gables and all those classics, and just never lost the love for historical stories, although I actually hated history when I had to take it in school. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's the stories that captivate me more than the dates and the wars and the politics and, and all of that. So, but yeah, I actually work a day job as well. I work at Abilene Christian University, which is where it's my alma mater, my husband's alma mater, and all three of my kids have attended. So we feel a lot of loyalty here. And I also have three children. 
As I said, they've, they're all college age. One is working on a PhD at A&M. One just graduated and got married and is starting his new life. And then my youngest is 20 and he's in the middle of his college career. So we're having a lot of fun raising grown adults and trying to tie let let those ties stretch a little bit so that they have a little more freedom and I'm trying not to be sad having an empty nest. There you go. I love how you say you're raising adult children because it really doesn't stop when they grow up and move out, does it? We don't want it to. We still want to stay connected and and have that strong relationship, but it's it's a new dynamic learning when to back off and when to offer advice and <laughs> When to just let them, you know, make their own choices. Exactly. Yes, for sure. So In Honor's Defense is your latest release. It's the third book in the Hanger's Horseman series. Why don't you just give us a brief overview of the whole series and then dive in in a little more depth into In Honor's Defense? Absolutely. So the Hangers Horseman series is a group of four military, ex-military men who have really bonded together over the tragedy that they faced at the Battle of Wounded Knee with the massacre that happened there. They left the military and they decided they wanted to try to somehow make restitution for the horrors of what they experienced in order to kind of ease their conscience and and give back to society. So they decided that they were going to sort of be vigilantes for justice, to fight for those who were oppressed, who are overlooked by society, for those who can't stand up for themselves for whatever reason. And so they hire themselves out and go around trying to make a difference in people's lives. And so the first book followed the leader of the horsemen, who was Matthew Hanger, and then the second book had two stories because there's four of four heroes all together. And so the second book had a combination of basically two stories in one with Mark Wallace and Jonah Brooks having their two stories told in the second book, The Heart's Charge. And then in this third book, In Honor's Defense, is Luke Davenport's story. And he goes by the nickname Preach because he has a, a really strong memory and always has a scripture ready to inspire the group with. But he's also one that has kind of a sad backstory. And he he feels a little left out because the rest of the horsemen at this point have kind of found their own happily ever afters. They're what he calls domesticated now. They're not the wild guys that they used to be. And he kind of feels like he doesn't deserve that same happiness. And so he ends up taking a job on his own without his horsemen brothers, trying to figure out a cattle rustling situation. And then ends up running up against Damaris Baxter, who has left her home in St. Louis to come to Texas to take care of her orphaned nephew. Her brother died suddenly and under suspicious circumstances. So she left everything she knew in St. Louis to come and take care of her nephew. And she's kind of a a quiet, retiring lady, but she is fiercely devoted to family. And she sometimes calls her, she, she looks at her life as the, the old Damaris and then the Texas Damaris. So the Texas Damaris has a lot more grit and determination and she's willing to take chances and do whatever it takes to make sure that her nephew is safe. And she and Luke end up working side by side a lot with uncovering the mystery of what happened to her brother and the wrestlers and how all that fits together. 
It's so much fun to read. And one thing that I love about your writing, and I think listeners can kind of even get an idea of it by listening to the description of the book that you just gave us, is the unique and engaging characters that you create. I'm going to read a quote from Damaris that I think just really sums up who she is. If I can find it here, where did it go? Oh, here it is. So here's a quote from Damaris. She'd persevere, even if the thought of asserting herself among strangers delighted her as much as the prospect of being dragged behind a horse by her hair through a bed of cacti. I just, I had to laugh out loud when I read that because it's so funny and yet it is so fitting. Like you said, she's the normal Damaris and there's the Texas Damaris coming out in her. So I loved that about her, that she... She was willing to work on herself and to change to fit her environment. She's she's the introvert's heroine. So <laughs> I, I am definitely an introvert by nature. So it was pretty easy for me to <laughs> put right. myself in her shoes. And I often feel similarly to that quote where I just, I don't want to go to a place where I have to just mingle with people I don't know. Small talk is like my worst nightmare. And but yet we do things that we may not necessarily have a natural inclination for, but we do them when we have a calling to to step out of our shell and tackle that. So I, I enjoy people when they attach themselves to heroines that can see themselves in them because I know at least, especially with this particular heroine, I see a lot of myself in her. How do you come up with such different characters? And you've written a good number of books now. So how do you keep them fresh? What do you do? That is a big challenge, and it's something that I am very aware of and a little bit nervous every time I start a new book, thinking, is this going to be just the same as you know the last book that I wrote, or how do I make it fresh and unique? I love, so we've been talking about heroines. I love feisty, go get them kind of heroines, especially those that don't fit into necessarily the the mold of their time where men of that era don't expect a woman to, like in the first book. We have a female doctor who is the heroine. Well, that's very unusual for that time period. The other, you know, second book, we have two women who were involved with childcare and with teaching, which was not that uncommon, but their personalities were different. One was basically being a fundraiser to support this mission, which was unusual for a woman in that time. And another was a, a Black woman who was running her own mission. And that was very uncommon in that time. So I like heroines that kind of break out of the mold and have a lot of uh, spunk and uh, feistiness to them. And so writing Damaris was a little bit different for me because she has a different kind of strength. She has a more quiet, subdued strength, but yet she has that emotional intensity on the inside that allows her to not only to really care about the people in her world, but to reach out and touch them in quiet ways that maybe other heroines might not do. They'd be more active where she's kind of working behind the scenes. Yet with Luke's background, her little subtle touches that she does, there's a scene in the book where she is setting up a place for him to stay in the barn. And she puts all these little homey touches there. And it 
it completely overwhelms him because he's never really felt like he's had a home, a true home with feminine touches and that kind of thing. And so that little thing that she did just rocks his world. And so she's exactly what he needs, even though she's not the same, not the typical heroine that's that's kind of a, a go-getter on the outside. I think I know what you're going to say to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Of the four hanger horsemen, who was your favorite? <laughs> That's always so hard. It tends to be the one that I've written most recently. <laughs> Because that's the one that I'm, I'm, you know, more fresh on my mind. So I've always had a preference for the oldest, whether it's the oldest brother, the oldest, you know, group. And so there's something about Matt that I really kind of attach to. But I think because Luke has a special spot in my heart because of all that he, his background and all that he had to go through. Uh, and yet he still found his way to becoming a faithful person. So there's something really special that tugs on my heartstrings about Luke, but there's something about Matt's gruff, oldest of the group, the leader, the protector. There's something about him that kind of touches me too. What you write is pretty specific. You're pretty much stay in Texas. You do the 1880s, 1890s, late 1800s the romances, the Westerns, and those have been around for a long time. You know, John Wayne, Jeanette Oak, you know, all those. How do you keep these Westerns fresh from being the same thing over and over again? That's a great question. I think part of it is there were a lot of different occupations. Let's just say that in that time period. And so not all of my cowboys are like cattlemen cowboys. You know, some of the cowboys do different things. Like I had a hero who was a telegraph operator and preferred bicycles to horses. <laughs> so he was still in Texas in the West, but he was kind of an atypical cowboy. You wouldn't really consider him, you know, what you would think of as a stereotypical cowboy character. So I try to mix it up. I've had blacksmith heroes. I've had bounty hunters. <laughs> I've had, you know, all different types of characters. And of course, then with the females as well, I try to, to have a lot of variety there so that they're not all school moms or not all, you know, seamstresses or whatever. I try to give a, a variety. And so I think with the different occupations, that kind of helps keep it a little bit fresh so they don't feel like they're the same. And then, of course, with the personality and their particular situations, trying to add some variety there so that the stories don't feel, even if they're taking place in the same basic time period and location, they still feel different. And Texas, of course, is so big that you have so many different terrains and types of areas within Texas that they can feel very different. One has a lot of forest, one is desert, one has coastline. I mean, they're, they're all very different. That is true. I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew Texas was big, but we visited my sister and brother-in-law in Dallas and then drove to my mother-in-law in Phoenix. And oh my goodness, I couldn't believe we were in Texas for like 10 hours or something like that after leaving Dallas. It's like, are we ever going to get out of this state? So it's huge. Yes. <laughs> I think it's bigger than some European countries. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> What does a typical writing day look like for you? You said that you have a day job. So when do you fit all of this in? 
whenever I can, for the most part. So I do have a day job and sometimes I'll try to, you know, add some writing in, you know, on lunch breaks or when I have some downtime, but I do a lot of writing over the weekends. That's kind of my main, my main time to get caught up. And I tend to write one really slow, careful draft. And so I don't get a lot of word count just all at once. I I am a very slow, methodical, I'm the tortoise to the hare kind of writer. So when I, I try to, to stay on a schedule of writing one polished chapter a week so that at the end of 40 weeks, I have a book that's ready to turn in. So I write very slow and methodical and I try to squeeze it in whenever I can, but I would say the majority happens over the weekends and I try to get a lot in that time. One thing I wanted to circle back around going back to in honors defense in particular, I loved how Damaris and Luke both struggled with Damaris's teenage nephew, Nate. He has a lot of angst, I guess you could call it, going on. He's lost both of his parents, and they both try to love him without pushing him too far. You have a degree in psychology, so is that where your psychology degree comes in, and do you often find yourself drawing on that psychology background when coming up with your stories and your characterizations? I'm sure that it is there on a subliminal level. I don't usually like dig into different neuroses <laughs> or anything like that when I'm plotting out my characters, but I do think there is just some natural with the training that I had in understanding human behavior and how to help people get through difficult situations. I think that does play a role. Also just living life and observing in my family and other families in you know listening to what friends are going through there's a lot of people who who are going through really hard times so Nate obviously is grieving and you know he's he's angry and he's he's lashing out at the people that are are around him trying to help him because he just feels so helpless and he feels like his world has fallen apart and so it's it's very difficult for Damaris to reach him because she is so different from what he is expecting and it's she she has to just stay in the game right she can't let his anger cause her so much pain that she's not willing to look past that and keep loving him and keep, you know, doing everything she can to help and support him. And so I think watching, watching those dynamics was really helpful for me. I I have grown children, Mm -hmm. as we talked about, and I'm very thankful that none of them have ever gone through really harsh things that have caused them to become very angry and bitter. But I, when I was writing Damaris's character and and preaches too, to some extent, I wanted to put myself in that situation of if this was one of my kids that was going through this really hard time, how would I want to love them through that? How could I, you know, still be authentic to the pain that, you know, they're lashing out might cause me, but still be determined that, you know, I'm the adult here and I'm going to love them even when they're being ugly. And so that, I think that all really plays into that. But even Damaris and Luke themselves, they're struggling with not really feeling like they belong anywhere. 
you know, she kind of felt like the one in her family that didn't really fit. And so coming out to Texas, she was really hopeful that, oh, this will be my chance to really have a family with Nate. And then when he was not the, the loving little boy she remembered, she kind of had to readjust her her sense of reality of, okay, well, this isn't all about what I can get out of it. This is what Nate needs and what I can give to him. And so I, I think both Luke's story of feeling kind of left out from the horsemen all kind of finding their happily ever afters and Damaris not really feeling like she belongs anywhere and Nate feeling like he's lost everybody that he was connected to really speaks to people struggling with loneliness and with kind of that that disconnection. And I think especially coming out of the COVID years, there's a lot of people that are really struggling with those feelings. And so I, I really wanted to to minister to people who feel lonely and who feel like they don't belong and encourage them with a message that you do and that you have a, a heavenly father who is going to love you no matter what. And also to encourage those of us who maybe have healthy, strong, loving, supportive families to reach out to those who don't and who maybe could use a friend or could use someone to stand by them when they're going through something hard. So that was kind of some of the the overall themes and, you know, tying back to the psychology stuff, trying to to minister to people who might be hurting going through something similar in their own lives. Wow, and such an important message, like you said, especially in this day and age, people coming out of COVID and trying to reestablish themselves where they belong and get that support system back in place. So very important message. I appreciate that. What is up next from you? So I'm starting a new series, and most of my previous series have been tied together with characters, maybe a, a set of brothers like the Archers or like the women's community and the ladies of Harper Station. And then, of course, we had some other family ties and then the Hangers Horsemen. This new series is going to be tied just with the idea of fairy tales. And so I'm going to give my own Western spin to some classic fairy tales and uh, hopefully have a lot of fun with that. I, you know, grew up as a, a Disney kid who loved all of the, you know, Snow White and Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and, and all of those classics and just love those those stories. They're so timeless. And so I thought it would be fun to, to give them their own Western spin and kind of give my own different style and connection with that. So the first the first book, the the rough draft is already done and it's going to be kind of a Snow White story. So there is a, a Texas Ranger hero and then Penelope Snow is the heroine. And there's a, an actress, Villainess, who has a very close tie to a lot of mirrors in her life. <laughs> and then of course there are seven retired cowboys who live at the Diamond D Ranch that fulfill all the the seven dwarfs role. So it's a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing that uh, as the first book in this new Texas Ever After series. Oh, how much fun. That just sounds like a blast. We will definitely be looking forward to that one. And we'll have to have you come back on and talk about that because, wow, that just, that screams classic Karen Wittemeyer to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. That would be so much fun. If listeners would like to connect with you, keep up with you, find out when this next one is coming out, how can they go about doing that? 
The easiest way is through my website, karenwittemeyer.com. Um, I have a newsletter sign up there that you can keep in touch with all the happenings. But if you want some more personal interaction, I have a Facebook group called The Posse. If you just search The Posse on Facebook, you will find it. And that is where I interact with readers on a daily basis. So I Every day, Monday through Friday, I'm posting in there, responding to comments. A lot of times my readers will help me design my characters. You know, what do you think this next hero should look like? And get some brainstorming going for different plot situations and that kind of thing. So I I try to keep it very interactive and let readers have a voice into what the next story will look like. So if you like that kind of interaction, I would encourage you to look up the posse on Facebook and, and join the fun there. Oh, that does sound like a lot of fun. Do you have any last words for the listeners? I just want to say thank you for for supporting Christian fiction and thank you for for being readers. You know, there would be no writers in the world if there weren't readers to read our stories. So thank you for sharing your love of Christian fiction with your friends and thank you for supporting us. Thank you so much for chatting with us today, Karen. It really has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you all enjoyed our chat with Karen as much as I did. It was great fun to have her. I absolutely positively cannot wait for this fairy tale series to get started. I know she said she writes slowly. Maybe we can do something to persuade her to write a little bit faster. If we pester her on her Facebook group, maybe she'll write a little bit faster for us. Then again, if we pester her too much, maybe maybe she won't. I would encourage you to look up that Facebook group as well. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a really great way to interact with some of your favorite authors. A lot of them have their own Facebook groups for their readers. I would encourage you to check that out. If you'd like more information about Karen, about In Honor's Defense, or the rest of the books in the Hangers Horseman series, or if you'd like a handy link to order the book, then please head over to my website, liztolsma.com. All of that information will be there right at your fingertips. So please check that out. Also, you have an opportunity there to click on a link and be directed over to my Patreon account. I would be so thrilled and honored to have you supporting Christian Historical Fiction Talk. It would mean the world to me, and it would mean that I can keep producing these podcasts and keep giving this great content for you, having these great authors come and talk to us. So please consider doing that while you're over there. Next week, seems like we bunch all these authors together. We either have a bunch of World War II authors or a bunch of split-time authors. And now we have a bunch of Western authors because next week we have the terrific Mary Keneally with us. And I'm so excited to get to talk to Mary and talk to her about her new book, which is called Inventions of the Heart. It's brand new, and I can't wait to sit down and chat with her a little bit about Inventions of the Heart. She's always a fabulous author, been around for quite some time, so she knows what she's doing, does a great job with it. And so I hope that you will be back next week and join me for my conversation with Mary Keneally. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you very soon. 